This is Tea on the Hudson, a news and lifestyle podcast where we're spilling all of the Hudson County tea and more. My name is Jen Tripuka. I'm the founder of HobokenGirl.com and a Hudson County resident. On this show, we share news, lifestyle topics of interest, interviews, and have guest Hoboken Girl contributors on to delve into the things that matter to local residents. Today's episode, we have Layla Bilali, who will be talking all things fertility with us and dispelling some serious myths about IVF and egg freezing processes. This week, I am not drinking a coffee because my nerves are shot with all of this commotion with the coronavirus, but I am having some delicious CBD gummies from Organic Basic Food in Hoboken. If you haven't heard of Organic Basic Food, you need to get there. They have an amazing selection of vitamins, herbs, supplements, and they're located at the corner of 2nd and Washington, and they are all things health food. And I actually was there last week when the first big coronavirus situation happened and they had fully stocked food. So highly recommend going there and checking them out. Organic basic food. In lieu of a sponsor this week, I wanted to take a moment to share how everything going on really does impact our small businesses. So please make sure whenever you can support them. There are online shops for local boutiques. There's ways to get delivery from local restaurants. I know a lot of us don't want to leave our homes, but make sure that you are sharing all of the things that small businesses are doing and making sure to support them. We do have a lot of articles on HobokenGirl.com that detail ways you can support without leaving the comfort of your home. So check those out on our site. So grab a CBD gummy and let's get started with our news. Coronavirus has certainly taken the world by storm and cases of the virus continue to pop up near our area, including Jersey City and Hoboken as of last week. As of now, just to inform you about some of the Hoboken Girl events, our formal wear sale is canceled and we will be donating everyone's amazing and wonderful donations to Dress for Success directly, along with a monetary donation to supplement the loss of canceling the sale for them. We thank our partners and the drop-off spots, our volunteers, and especially shout out to our coordinators, Jordan and Joelle from our team, who really helped bring this event to life. We'll be back next year better than ever. Regarding the Hoboken Wellness Crawl, in an effort to take all prudent measures to protect the health and safety of our attendees, vendor, team, volunteers, and hub locations, as the spread of COVID-19 accelerates, we are postponing our Hoboken Wellness Crawl to a fall date of Sunday, September 13th, 2020 in Hoboken. Vendors and attendees who have bought tickets or secured their spots already have received an email regarding the new crawl date, and your ticket admission is of course still valid for the September event, and will be automatically updated in our system, so you don't have to do anything. We will be in touch with further updates about the new date as the summer progresses. While really only a short time ago, we felt optimistic that the end of April was enough time to confidently proceed with our plans. As it stands today, we will postpone. So it's postponed to September 13th, 2020. In other Hoboken and Jersey City news, schools are closing and there will be satellite learning options taking effect as of Monday. Hoboken schools are closed for two weeks. Families who rely on breakfast and lunch services will still be able to pick up meals at the Hoboken High School between 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in an attempt to combat the coronavirus around town. 
Jersey City Mayor Stephen Fulop has declared a temporary curfew on bars and nightclubs in town as well. The curfew was set to begin this past weekend and will continue until further notice. We have a ton of info on HobokenGirl.com, and since things are changing by the hour, your best bet is to head to our site for the latest. So head to HobokenGirl.com. Also, I do want to say I do see a lot of people that are saying, you know, I would survive the coronavirus. I'm taking my chances. And sure, you may be okay, but you could be a carrier to someone who wouldn't be, who has immunocompromising um, situation or a disease. And that really is the problem. I saw a meme and I'm going to pull it up on my phone. And it said, a quick reminder that if you are a healthy adult, you're not canceling your event or travel or conference because of yourself, but because of the more vulnerable people who will suffer if you become a vector. The number of deaths will depend on how we all behave. I know it sounds dramatic, but it's really a crazy time. And so please make sure to listen to your health officials and follow all protocols and rules that are being put in place for our safety. If you are someone you know in our community, think or feel that you may have been exposed to an individual who has tested positive for COVID-19, please contact your primary care provider immediately. The Hoboken Health Department is asking that you do not go directly to the emergency room as they are experiencing an influx of patients and want to ensure our hospital has the necessary resources to treat those with critical care needs. The same goes for Jersey City. So please make sure that you are being careful and proactive and contacting your GP first. Now on to more news. A mother and her infant child were freed from their overturned SUV after it rolled and hit two parked vehicles last Saturday. Police and firefighters and emergency medical services responded to the incident just outside of Hoboken High School on 8th Street and Clinton. The mother and child were taken to the Jersey City Medical Center with injuries, but luckily they were not considered serious. A 57-year-old Hoboken resident was arrested last week and charged with nine, yes, you heard that right, nine counts of criminal mischief. At 8.44 a.m. on Friday, March 6th, police were called to the scene of a car vandalized in the area of the 300 Harrison Street block. By 10.58 a.m., eight additional cases of vandalism in the area were discovered by police, and Lazada Camis was arrested as the perpetrator. Camis, also known to local authorities for a past 2013 offense conspiring to promote a voter bribery scheme was released with a court date. The eight-story property at 95 Green Street in Jersey City has been purchased by New York City-based Thor Equities. The developer plans to move away from retail into industrial and life science properties with the intention of leasing the space out to life science, pharmaceutical, green tech, agricultural technology, and healthcare tenants. This is not Thor's first move into the industrial space, as just a year ago, they bought several warehouses in England. The city of Hoboken is encouraging residents to respond to the 2020 census. According to an official statement put out by the mayor, in order to gain eligibility for critical funding for our schools, roads, housing initiatives, nonprofits, and so much more, it is critical that all Hoboken residents take a few minutes and complete the 2020 census. They are set to be mailed out between March 12th and March 20th, so make sure to take a few minutes to complete yours. 
Hoboken residents have been adjusted to the limitation of single-use plastic bags for quite some time since the original ordinance was put into place in late 2018. However, the new ordinance now bans all use of single-use styrofoam products and carry-out plastic bags. Residents are encouraged to utilize reusable bags at all retail and food establishments. This ordinance went into effect March 8th. And now for our openings and closings. Popular plant-based meal prep delivery service Boyce Mode is opening in the Bergen-Lafayette neighborhood of Jersey City. Residents will have an option to pick up previously prepared meals at their new brick-and-mortar location or have them delivered right to your door. Welcome to the neighborhood. Super exciting. Playful Paws, a pet grooming service that also offers boarding, training, and pet sitting, has officially opened at 714 Jefferson Street in Hoboken. They moved right down the block, and their new space is huge and awesome. Their grooming services are performed by a certified vet tech, so you'll know your four-legged friend is in very good hands. My pups actually go there, and they do a wonderful job. GNC Livewell, located at 302 Washington Street in Hoboken, may be closing its doors. GNC reportedly started closing down many of its locations nationwide back in 2018, according to CNBC. It was reported that as many as 900 stores could close, and Hoboken has 30% off all items. It hasn't put out signage yet, but we're told that it is one of them. Turning Point restaurants are collaborating with Cowabunga Coffee Roasters to focus on the coffee part of their dining services that customers love so much. The latest location opened in Warrington, Pennsylvania, and 11 New Jersey locations will be opening, including Hoboken, Uptown, which is already showing the signage at the Turning Point location located at 1420 Sinatra Drive. Bang Cookies' number two location is officially open as of last Friday in Jersey City. This new location is right on Newark Avenue in the pedestrian plaza. And if you haven't had Bang Cookies, oh my gosh, you have to order them, especially because they do delivery a little bit later on. So delicious. Everything is organic. Highly, highly recommend. A new tenant is coming to the former Ola La Dessert Bar location in Jersey City. Residents are looking forward to Wow Chicken, a chicken and waffle spot, which will open in place of the dessert joint, as shown on the company's Instagram page. This episode's guest is Layla Bilali, who is a registered nurse, fertility nurse, fertility consultant, and owner of her own local company, Fertility Together. By day, she provides nursing services and support for patients receiving reproductive endocrinology treatment and began working at Reproductive Medicine Associates of New York, better known as RMA. During her time at RMA, she recognized her calling at the suggestion of some of her most dear patients that helped her to realize that combining exceptional nursing care with unconditional compassion is really her forte. Today, she's on the show to talk all things fertility, which no matter your age or gender or marital status is something to be knowledgeable about, as well as dispelling some myths about the IVF, egg freezing, and other processes. Hi, Layla. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting you're here because we have lots to talk about. 
Now, you run a business called Fertility Together, mm-hmm. and you also are a fertility nurse yes. in the city. Yes. Tell me a little bit about your current role and your business and sure. how you got here. Sure. Um, so the fertility thing kind of just fell into my lap, and then it became a passion. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to work in pediatrics. So I worked in pediatrics for six years, and then I wasn't really learning anything new. So as much as I loved doing it, it was kind of becoming monotonous. And I thought I'm too young to be stuck in this one place. So I actually interviewed for an OR position at the fertility clinic that I'm still at. I wanted to learn some surgical skills and operating room skills. And when I went for the interview, the nurse manager said to me, have you ever considered being an IVF nurse? And Mm. I didn't even know very much about IVF. I didn't know what that meant being an IVF nurse. So I just said, sure, why not? And it just took off from there. Wow. And working at the clinic, I one of my most favorite, favorite patients, she kind of just kept pushing me to start my own business. I would go to her house to do her injections for her mm-hmm. throughout her cycles. And I was with her for a couple of months before she successfully... Uh, had her baby. And the entire time she just kept saying, I don't know how people do this without you. Everyone should have a Layla. You really need to start your own business. And I'm, I'm a healthcare person. I don't know anything about business. I don't know anything about (laughs) starting a business. So I kind of just kept putting it off and she just kept nudging and I started looking into it. And once, you know, I laid the groundwork. Yeah. That's great. And what year was that? I launched almost three years ago now. Mm -hmm. So 2017, summer of 2017. And what are some of the services that you offer? Yeah. So the most popular thing is the injection administration. So uh, when people are getting the hormone injections, they often don't feel comfortable doing it themselves. The mixing of the medications, they're overwhelmed by the process to begin with, much less having to figure out how to do their medications properly. Some people have a phobia of needles. Um, If they have partners, a lot of times the partners don't feel comfortable. They don't want to be held responsible. (laughs) So they don't want to do it. So that's one of the most popular things that I offer. And I have other nurses uh, that work for me as well that'll come to your house and kind of make you feel much more comfortable about it. And the other really popular thing that I have is uh, a monthly on-call service. So while you're going through your treatment, I'm kind of holding your hand through it. I'm your fertility friend. You can text me, call me anytime. If you need a FaceTime session, if you need an in-person session, you have an unlimited month of me coming to you. You can renew it at any time. Um, So those are the two most popular. I can sign consents with people. So if they have to sign consent forms for their clinics, I have my notary. So Mm. I can actually not only go through the medical part of the consent with them because I have the medical background, but I can actually sign off on it as well. Yeah, because a lot of people can't go to the office during the nine to five hours that they offer. So I'm coming to you on evenings, weekends. So that's really helpful. And I think it's more just... In general, I'm personalizing the fertility treatment process for you. So it's it's more of like a concierge consulting um, service too. So let's say you go to your OBGYN for your annual and you're curious about your fertility. You don't know what it entails or who to go to. I also do those kinds of sessions. Like which doctor should I be going to? You help or, with that like sorting of uh, fertility clinics and exactly, things like that. That's exactly, great. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, I've talked about it on my social media and stuff. I've Mm -hmm. gone through the process. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're in the process of looking for a a gestational carrier, which we'll get into later. Um, But IVF is such a big topic, I feel like. And I don't know if it's just because we're in that world um, where it's a hot 
topic, I guess you could say. I mean, people are talking about it so much more now. Right. And I think it's the stigma of, you know, fertility or infertility is really changing. Um, and let's talk about it in our area. I mean, it feels, as I said, like less of a taboo subject, but are people needing IVF more? Are they doing IVF more? Mm. And that's why we're talking about it. Or is it just that we're just talking about it more? I definitely think it's less taboo. So we're talking about it more. I think people have been doing it. We just don't know about it. Mm -hmm. I think in New York, um, fertility clinics in general thrive in big cities, New York, Chicago, LA, Miami. These are the places where it thrives because I think we're a little bit of an instant gratification society. Mm. We have access to the best healthcare in New York. So we have all of these options. And I think that um, couples aren't really considering having families until later on in places like New York, maybe we're more career oriented. It just hasn't, you know, come up on our radar until the average age of 35, I would say. Yeah. So um, it's a little bit harder at that point. And um, going back to the instant gratification thing, if we know that we have access to it, it's kind of why not? Right. So I think that's why it's so much more in your face here. And in general, I think you know, somewhere like New York, we are a lot more liberal with these things and, mm -hmm. and out there. Um, and we're not really shy. Not hiding it. Yeah. Because yeah. it, it is really cool to be able to see women being open about their journeys. And right. it's it's a really, you know, difficult thing um, to talk about publicly, I think, for a lot of people. So right. it's good to kind of break that stigma and say, hey, I'm going through this and it's not the end of the world. It's just what's happening. Right. Yeah. Now, with all of the different things that fertility treatments encompass. There's IUI, IVF, egg freezing, mm -hmm. embryo creation. I mean, there's so many different things. Surrogacy, mm -hmm. gestational carriers. Mm -hmm. Let's do a little breakdown of each one because sure. I think that people listening, no matter of their age, may not understand the differences. Mm -hmm. um, let's first talk about IUI. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, if that does that sound like a good place to start? Yeah, absolutely. So we always like to start with the most minimally invasive. So when a patient comes in, they have their assessment. Um, and if we kind of have an idiopathic or unknown infertility situation, anything like that, we always like to start with the least invasive first. And IUI is one of the least invasive procedures that you can do. Um, it's actually the, the procedure that all of our same-sex females couple use oh. because they are using donor sperm. So we're uh, essentially what we do in IUI stands for an intrauterine insemination. We're basically prepping the sperm. We call it cleaning. Mm -hmm. We clean the semen so that we just have the sperm. So we're prepping the sperm. We're putting it into a tiny little thin catheter. The procedure itself kind of feels like having a pap smear done. Mm -hmm. It's done right in the exam room. So you're not under anesthesia. No anesthesia is necessary. It's right in the exam rooms. You're not in an OR or anything like that. You kind of just come in for it and it takes about five minutes or less depending and mm -hmm. then they keep you there for about 10 to 20 minutes let your service close and then you kind of go about your day like nothing ever happened and then hope you're pregnant <laughs> exactly exactly there's not really much to it and mm -hmm. like I said it's very um, quick and painless and it's it's a little bit uncomfortable like getting your pap smear done but that's really it so that's we always like to start with the mm -hmm. least invasive and when people are coming in for fertility obviously if you're a same-sex couple you're probably coming in sooner than mm -hmm. uh, a couple that's maybe trying to naturally conceive. Mm -hmm. But what is maybe the time frame for mm -hmm. someone to say, okay, I think we're having fertility issues mm -hmm. and then coming in for an IUI type of 
procedure? Yeah. So technically we say if you're under the age of 35, uh, infertility is labeled as trying to conceive for a year or longer. And then if you're 35 and over, we say six months. So those are the standards. Again, going back to instant gratification and we have all of these great clinics available to us. And especially if you have the insurance coverage, it's a no brainer. Mm -hmm. So you can really go and have the assessment and the education, which is what I always recommend at any point. So you can look up specialists or speak to someone like me about which specialist should I go to. There is nothing to lose in knowing. Right. The more you know, the better. And I think one of the common misconceptions is that if I go to a fertility clinic, if I go to, we call them reproductive endocrinologists, that's the specialty area. And people think if they go, they're automatically going to be thrown into the IVF process. And it just, it doesn't go from zero to a hundred mm-hmm. like that. And you're not tied to anything. You go to a consult, you get your options. Maybe you're really, really confused after you call up someone like me and I can walk you through it. But there is nothing, nothing, nothing wrong with knowing. And the younger, the better. You can right. never lose that. That's great. It's it's so true because it, I think people, there's a, just such a thought that, oh, this is there. It's just going to be immediately that I have to do this. And it's like, no, just check it out and see, ask questions. It's mm-hmm. so important to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of IVF, yes. What is that compared to IUI? Yeah. So the IUI process, you can kind of just do naturally. We just track your natural cycle. We're not intervening in any way. We're just monitoring. Uh, Maybe we'll check an ultrasound or something like that. But there's Mm -hmm. no necessarily any medications or injections involved. Mm -hmm. For the IVF process, um, injections are the biggest thing to understand. I think a lot of people uh, are coming to it not knowing that you're going to be injecting medications every single day. up Into your stomach. Into your stomach. (laughs) Yes, there are. And your butt. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So I think that's one of the biggest uh, things that people don't realize going into it. Mm -hmm. And then also it's it's one of the biggest turnoffs. So we Mm -hmm. see a huge drop off when people realize that it's injections and they're so Mm -hmm. terrified of the injections that they don't do it. Um, But yes, IVF is the most invasive thing Mm -hmm. that you can do. And that's where you could come in too if if people needed because they were scared of injections. Exactly. And oftentimes they think they're going to need us every single day. We go the first first night, the first two nights, we teach them how to do it. We watch them do it. And then they have this, you know, confidence boost. And they're like, oh, actually, that wasn't that bad. I can do this myself. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't even need you anymore. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's one of the benefits of my business. And and we really do throw it on you. These at at these big clinics that you go to, again, we're very lucky that we have access to them. um, But because they're such high volume places, there's no room for personalization. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to give. Exactly. It's Mm -hmm. just personalizing it for you and you might need injections, you might need hand-holding, everybody needs different things throughout the process, but the IVF process is the most invasive. So yeah, it's a huge jump. And that one is with the injections and then is that always with anesthesia kind of for an egg retrieval? Yes, Mm -hmm. yes. So they're putting you under, it's a quick procedure, about 10 to 20 minutes. So it's a fast acting anesthetic, but it is general IV sedation. You will be out for the procedure Um, and because you have anesthesia, you need an escort to take you home. You need someone to be there for you. And then we tell you to take off for that day. So Mm -hmm. it is invasive in in that way. It's not super painful. Most people actually say they feel sore after, uh, but not really in pain. It, Mm -hmm. you know, depends on how many eggs we retrieve too, but um, it is invasive in that way. Now, egg retrieval, Mm -hmm. because that's kind of co- 
it kind of co-mingles with IVF, yes, right? Yes. So what are the differences between IVF and egg retrieval? And then let's talk a little bit about egg retrieval. Yeah. So the process to get to the egg retrieval, whether you're freezing your eggs or making embryos is the same. So, you know, your period starts everything. You go in in the beginning of your period. You have your monitoring done. That's the other thing I think that people don't realize you're going to be having to go into the uh, office for monitoring, we call it, a lot. So it's mm-hmm. every day, every other day, yes. and you're getting blood work and an ultrasound, a transvaginal ultrasound. So they insert a probe vaginally. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people don't realize that they're going to be getting stuck with a needle, you know, every day, every other day and having a vaginal probe also. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's a, a lot. lot. Yeah. yeah. And I think that people don't realize too, that it's, you have to stay local. You can't be like, yes. oh, I'm going to go on a trip and do IVF or, you know, or, or have these things happening. I feel like you really have to be kind of a homebody for the the time period. You really do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I do have some patients that get annoyed at us about it, but it really <laughs> is for your own safety oh, yeah. and it's for the best outcome. You're pouring all this time and money and energy into this. You want to have the best outcome. You have to be there for monitoring. Mm-hmm. And I understand it's life. A lot of times people are traveling for work or their partners are traveling for work. So, you know, we try to work around it as best as we can. And, um, but you know, you really do need to stay put. So you'll do that for about eight to 12 days of injections. And then you have the egg retrieval itself where they retrieve your eggs. And then if you're freezing your eggs, they'll just freeze however many mature eggs they retrieved. And that's pretty much it. You don't Mm -hmm. do anything after that. You just wait for your period. And if you're making embryos, the embryo, um, it's made that day. An embryo just for people just in layman's, that's the actual like we combine the sperm and the sperm, egg. Yeah, that's like yeah. we're making a baby. Yes, yes. Actually, and, and that's another thing, common misconception. Everyone always uh, throws around the term egg. Mm-hmm. Um, an egg is is the female gamete. The sperm is the male gamete. Mm-hmm. When we combine them is when we consider that an embryo. Got it. So that same day, if you're making embryos, we retrieve the eggs and we attempt to fertilize them that day. So we're inseminating the eggs that day and we're watching to see how many of them fertilize into embryos and continue to grow. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, leading up to that though, the procedure is exactly the same, whether you're freezing eggs or embryos. With IUI, you could just become pregnant, right? Mm -hmm. With IVF, there's a process after even the egg retrieval. Yes. So you can do what we call a fresh transfer, which is within that same cycle. So that same menstrual cycle. We're making the embryos. We're not doing anything to them. We're just watching them grow. And at a certain point of growth, we're uh, putting it into that same catheter that we use for an IUI and we're inserting inserting it directly into your uterus. Um, Or you can do testing on the embryos. We check the chromosomal content of the embryos. And in that case, we have to actually freeze the embryo wait for the results to come back and then with your next menstrual cycle we'll do an embryo transfer and so this is for egg freezing as well can you test eggs for uh, chromosomal or just so unfortunately you can't and that's one of the the hardest things with egg freezing and that's why again that's one of the consults that I offer before you freeze your eggs as wonderful as I think egg freezing is and I think if you have the means to do it or if you work for a great company that has great coverage and will pay for you to do it I think you'll never regret doing it. So I'm all for it. But I do think you need to know the pros and cons of freezing your eggs. Mm -hmm. We don't know anything about eggs until we attempt to use them. Mm -hmm. So even if you have 20, 30 eggs retrieved and frozen, that's great. But we don't know anything about them until we actually attempt to use them. With with a sperm. Exactly. Exactly. That's a a really common, I don't think a known fact or, you know, I think people, it is a scary thing because it's like, oh, I had this insurance, 
but then will these eggs work? Yes. You know, so yes. that's good to think about and, um, you know, but it's really good to have insurance. So I feel like it's a yeah. good thing for people if they can. I don't ever think you'll regret doing it. Mm-hmm. I think if you have the means to do it, absolutely do it. Mm-hmm. But just know everything about it before going into it. Yeah. Because I do think a lot of people consider it a safety blanket. And it's and it's certainly not. Mm-hmm. Now, surrogacy and gestational carriers, mm-hmm. which I know I even say the wrong thing. I'm yeah. like, oh, we're looking for a surrogate. No, yes. we're actually looking for a gestational carrier. Right. What are the differences? Right. And I think the most commonly used term is a surrogate or surrogacy. So a surrogate actually has their biological, their DNA is a part of it. Mm-hmm. So let's say I'm a surrogate and you're using my egg and we're using somebody else who isn't necessarily my intimate partner's sperm. Mm-hmm. I'm the surrogate. So it's both my egg and I'm carrying. A gestational carrier is just you know, for lack of a better word, the vessel. Mm -hmm. So they're carrying it, but they're not biologically attached to this embryo whatsoever. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And and when would someone want to do either or? Yeah. So it also Not depends both. a lot on <laughs> it also depends a lot on on whatever state you live in. Mm-hmm. Um, it varies. The yeah, laws there's still vary. laws mm-hmm. that are not surrogate friendly. Yes. Yes. So in New York, you can only be a carrier for altruistic reasons. You can't be a paid carrier. Mm-hmm. Whereas hop over to Connecticut or New Jersey right next door and you can. Mm-hmm. So it depends on the laws as well. And it depends on on your circumstances. So um, if, for example, my patients who, for whatever reason, maybe it's congenital, they don't have a uterus, um, that kind of thing, or if they lost their uterus um, in any sort of uh, situation, then they would be seeking, if they have their own egg and sperm, they would just be seeking a carrier. A surrogate is a little bit more tricky. It could also, you know, involve, um, if it's for altruistic purposes, for friends or family members, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It also just depends on, on your, um, relationship status, I guess you could say. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Who is a candidate for IVF? Mm -hmm. What would you say in this process? Yeah. So I would say for egg freezing, um, I don't think it's beneficial past a certain age. Mm -hmm. Now, again, there's no blanket for it because everybody's makeup is different. Everybody, you know, my age 40 could be completely different than your age 40, for example. Mm -hmm. Same thing if you're super young, my age 28 can be very different than yours. So our biological makeup can be different. But overall, I think for egg freezing, the younger, the better. So if you're considering freezing your eggs, I would say under 38 is probably best. Um, at a certain point, it's just not beneficial to you um, to use your resources and your energy um, to, to put yourself through that if it's not going to be beneficial. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's for eggs. Now for for IVF, it really, it really, really depends so on your situation. Types of people that are dealing with it. Yeah. And it really depends on your family plan. It depends why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. So in the U.S., you can actually do sex selection. So let's say your family balancing, your family planning, and I have three boys and I really just want a girl. You actually can do that in the States. And we actually do have international patients that come from places where it's not legal. I was going to say, I didn't realize it wasn't legal because I, when I did IVF, they were like, oh, these are your, the sexes of your embryos. And you're like, what? Yeah. Like, and I didn't realize you couldn't know that in other in other places. Yeah, yeah, and so you can't just opt 
to do IVF treatment for that. Here, mm-hmm. that is an option. Mm-hmm. Um, some people are doing it to preserve their fertility. So mm-hmm. I have some patients who are medical school or law school and they know they, they're married or they have a partner and they know they want to have a child with this partner. They just don't want it now, but they don't want to wait to kind of have those issues later right. on possibly. Mm-hmm. So they'll freeze their embryos ahead of time or they're you know freezing their eggs and, and that kind of thing. So I think it just depends on on uh, what your relationship yeah. is. Yeah. So say you're in your late 20s mm-hmm. or 30s or even 40s or whatever it, I mean, I know we said 40s might be tough for egg freezing, but mm-hmm. you want to know more, possibly start the egg freezing process. Mm-hmm. What's the first step? Mm-hmm. What should you do? Yeah. So the first besides step call I would you. say, yeah, <laughs> besides calling me, um, you can ask your OBGYN. Mm-hmm. I, I think a good OBGYN these days is talking to their patients about it from anywhere from age 25 to 40. I think that you they, they should be talking about it at this point. So I would start with your OBGYN. Just ask them. There are tests that you can have done just with them to begin mm-hmm. with. And then from there, you can ask them for fertility specialists and they can kind of uh, push you in the right direction. And really, ultimately, the best assessment will come from a reproductive endocrinologist at a fertility clinic. The biological clock thing, let's just talk about it because it's so it's so tough for a lot of women. We I wish there was like a 10 year span in between like your 20s and 30s where you could just enjoy your life. But that's <laughs> neither here nor there. So, you know, the biological clock thing, doctors talk about it. They yeah. may not say it like that, but yeah. it's tough for people to hear. And they're as much as I mean, I know for myself, as much as it's not, you know, something we want to come to terms with. Yeah, it's in your 20s, it's easier to conceive. In your 30s, it's a little harder. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So age is one of the most delicate, delicate things to begin with. And you know, that's one of the hardest parts of my job is speaking to women about their fertility age. Mm -hmm. Your fertility age and your regular age are two completely separate things. So if I'm talking to you about it and I have had patients who think I'm being mean and and they don't want to, you know, take face it. And I get that. It's a really delicate subject, but it's biology, it's science, and we just have to deal with the numbers at a certain mm-hmm. point. So your age really does matter when it comes to fertility. And like I said, the younger, the better. Anytime you're considering any of this, the younger, the better to just go and have the assessment and the education and make decisions from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but age, unfortunately, is probably the biggest factor when assessing your fertility. So you have to be ready to kind of talk about it and and face it head on. Yeah, you have to be open to that. Yeah, it's a tough one because yeah. it's, you know, AMH levels, we talk about all these things and yes. they're so different from you could be 31, but maybe your fertility is a lot older. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I have 27 year olds, unfortunately, with premature ovarian failure. And, you know, I have 45 year olds who get pregnant with their own DNA. So it's possible. It's more rare, but it's possible. It's just you have to be able to, you have to be willing to, to be talk informed. about these things. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. so true. Now, fertility clinics, you work at RMA, RMA. Mm-hmm. in the city. Yep. Obviously, not all are created equal. Right. 
What are some questions you should ask the clinic when inquiring about IVF or egg freezing? Right. So one of the most important tools that you can use, you can go to the SART website. It's S-A-R-T dot org. And it's it's a group of professionals that are providing statistics from all of the big reputable clinics around the world. Mm. And you can look up the success rates there. And you can even jot down the success rates and bring them when you go for your visit and say, this is what I saw on the website. Can you walk me through this? So I think success rates are huge. Um, when you're doing IVF, I think the lab is of utmost importance. So I, when I do a consult and I'm telling you know my client which clinic they should be going to, I do like to kind of see which doctor they would vibe with. I'm not you know, funneling all of my patients. My, my patients and my clients are separate. My business mm-hmm. is completely separate of Army of New York. They're very wonderful in supporting me in that, but it is legally completely separate. And I don't funnel all of my patients there. It really depends on how I feel you'll vibe with a certain doctor. Sure. And I think the clinic is the most important. So I do have patients that are kind of looking for more warm and fuzzy doctors and that kind of thing. But clinic, the the their success rates in terms of their labs, their embryology labs should always, always come first. And then you can kind of go to what your preference is in terms of physician style. It also depends on your insurance coverage. If you do have insurance coverage, there are certain clinics that we are going to push you towards. If you're cash pay, there's other clinics that are available to you and that may be slightly better and might actually, you know, fit within your budget. So right. I think those are the two biggest things, but success rates are huge and mm. looking them the up lab. on SART. Yeah, mm-hmm. the embryology lab is super important. That's good to know. All right. So how much do these processes cost? <laughs> so an average I know this and I I, I but I want to hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the average egg freezing cost is about eight to twelve thousand dollars, including the medications. Now there are clinics that will offer lower rates to freeze your eggs. The only thing you have to be careful about though is that not all other clinics will accept eggs from these places. So let's say you do mm. one that's only five thousand dollars and then you want to use them in five years, you have to be sure that the clinic that you're planning on using them at will accept these eggs because some clinics won't. And then it's, you just froze them. You paid the storage fees annually and now you can't do anything with them. So that's important to remember. But the average cost for egg freezing is about eight to 12,000. And that includes- For each cycle. For each cycle. And that includes um, the the, um, medications. Mm -hmm. And then for a full IVF, again, it depends. Are you doing a fresh transfer? Are you doing the chromosomal testing? But an IVF cycle can run you upwards of $30,000. So it's certainly not cheap. And there are more and more insurances that are starting to cover, Mm -hmm. um, you know, bits and pieces here. Or they'll give you kind of like a lifetime cap. You have $35,000 towards fertility Mm -hmm. treatment period. And that could include IUIs and other less invasive things before the fertility, the um, IVF process. So um, that's, those are the general costs, but yeah, it's, it's pricey. It's, it's, yeah, not, it's cheap. not cheap. And when it comes to surrogacy mm-hmm. and gestational carriers, what are the prices for that? Oof. So that again, <laughs> depends state by state. It depends on um, which agency you use. Different agencies have different costs. They have deposits often as well. So you might have to pay a thousand, two thousand 
$10 just to put the deposit and the application down for a carrier first. And um, oftentimes it's non-refundable. So that deposit, yeah, is huge in itself. So it can run you anywhere from 30,000, 50,000, 100,000. I know there was a lot of talk with with, uh, Kim Kardashian Mm -hmm. surrogate. I think she was in the six figure range and it really just depends on the agency. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now I want to do a little bit of a myth versus fact type of, yes, let's dispel some myths because I think that there are a lot around egg freezing Mm -hmm. and IVF in general. Here we go. Egg freezing is a new process. Myth or fact? So that one's a little bit tricky. Okay. They have a newer process of freezing the eggs. There is an old process. There is a slow freeze versus a vitrification, if mm. we're getting um, you know, technical about it. So there is a newer process in the last couple of years of actually freezing the freezing technique. Um, but at this point, it's been around for about, I would say, 15 to 20-ish, uh, the technology has certainly improved and the outcomes and success rates have improved. Um, but I guess I could say yes and no to that one. <laughs> that's, that's good to know. Egg freezing is dangerous. I wouldn't say that it's dangerous. And that's one of the biggest, biggest things that I want to you know, take the anxiety out of my clients about is that there are all these horror stories online. And while I think that all of these blogs and support groups are fantastic, I love to see women who have gone through it supporting other people Mm -hmm. going through it. Um, But we really need to be careful about putting inaccurate medical information out there. And this is one of the biggest things is that it's this horrific, dangerous process. And it's certainly not pleasant. I'm not saying that it's mm-hmm. fun, um, but it's not dangerous in that sense. If right. you're at a good clinic and they're monitoring you very carefully, it's certainly not dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're doing all the right things, you're sticking to the uh, right precautions that they're telling you, the restrictions, it's certainly not dangerous or horrific. <laughs> I can attest to that. <laughs> not dangerous or horrific. <laughs> the process is long and time consuming, myth or fact. So that's kind of a myth. It's actually not not very long. Yes, there are people whose fertility treatment journeys are longer. Um, they have more obstacles to overcome, sure. But the actual process of the, you know, the egg freezing or the egg retrieval process mm-hmm. is actually not that long. I would say uh, count one full cycle, so one month max, mm-hmm. if you're just freezing eggs or if you're just freezing embryos. It's actually kind of a myth. Got it. That's good to know. All right, next one. You can't drink for six months before you start IVF. Oh, yeah. No, that's a, that's a myth. Okay, good. Um, a lot of good. people think <laughs> that they have to put their life completely on hold during this process. And mm-hmm. a lot of it is overkill. And again, you go back to these support groups and people are putting things out there. You should be doing this kind of diet. You shouldn't be having alcohol. You shouldn't be having caffeine. And then people come in and ask me, oh, my God, I can't have my coffee. I can't do this, 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 and this. That's absolutely not true. We want you to live your life. I want you to be sane going through this Mm -hmm. process. That's actually more important. The stress you put on yourself in not doing those things and living your life is actually worse for the process. Um, And we know what stress does to your body in general. It's not any different for reproduction. So I think that that's definitely a myth. You can definitely drink in moderation. And there are things that, you know, your clinic will go through with you of what Mm -hmm. you can and can't do. But it's, Absolutely a myth. 
thankfully. Good to know. <laughs> I know. I remember I was between cycles. I was like, can I have a margarita? And you're like, yes, it's fine. Please have a margarita and please <laughs> enjoy it. Calm you down. Yes. <laughs> now, women are, this is another one. Women are the only reason that couples do IVF. Oh, no. Big myth. Big myth. Yeah, I know. Men, a lot. it's you too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And this really is a, a big thing with men. It's a huge pride thing. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of couples and the, the male partner won't even get tested. So we usually recommend a semen analysis as your base fertility workup. It it takes two. So why would we only do testing on the female? You have no idea what's going on with your semen and your sperm unless you actually test it. So we do have actually a lot of males that don't even want to have the test done. Wow. Yeah. But there are so many things you can do to make it more comfortable. You don't have to collect in the rooms within the (laughs) office. You can do a home (laughs) collection and things like that. There are other options. So um, that is definitely, definitely a myth. Now, while men have it much easier right. and um, little in the cup and that's it. Oh, yeah. And, and you <laughs> know, a lot test. of things that they do actually is reversible. So let's say that you're a smoker or you drink a lot. That kind of thing is actually more reversible with sperm wow. than eggs. Unfortunately, once again, we have to do everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> it, it, it definitely does not do you any good to not have that part of it tested. Interesting. All right. One more. Mm -hmm. Egg freezing is for women in their 30s and up only. We kind of debunk this, but just Uh, to hear. Yeah, I would say that's a myth. And there are OBGYNs that will tell their patients who ask and they're younger than 30, even younger than 35. And they'll kind of say, "Ah, you have plenty of time. Don't worry about it. And I think you're doing such a disservice by doing that because, again, it, it won't hurt you to get a fertility assessment, see where you stand. Because like you said before, we don't know. I might be 30 and have this premature ovarian failure or diminished reserve that I don't even know about. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a myth. Good to know. Now, if someone is thinking they want help with fertility issues, mm-hmm. what is the first step for them right now? First step, ask your OBGYN. When you go for your annual and you're going for your annual pap smear or just your checkup, you can probably even ask your PCP when you go for a physical. Mm -hmm. Just ask them, hey, do you know of any specialists that I can go to just to have a workup done? I love following fertility accounts on Instagram, even though it's so it just feels like it's just interesting to see other people's stories and things like that. Uh, What are some good fertility accounts to follow that you know of? Yeah. So I'm actually on the board of a company called Robin that um, my friend Allie founded. I follow them. Yeah. So they're basically they're a maternal wellness platform. They do everything pre-pregnancy, during pregnancy and and postpartum. And um, I think that that's a wonderful website. They, They post funny stories. They post tear jerkers. They post all sorts of people's fertility journeys, and it's and it's across the board. Every you know, it's it's very inclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're bound to find something that resonates with you in there. And then the other uh, one that I love is Dr. Laura Shaheen, L O R A S H A H I N E. She's a reproductive endocrinologist out in Seattle, and mm. she's just wonderful. I've met her a couple of times at um, the ASRM conferences, and she's wonderful. And she posts a lot of lot of uh, fun videos and and little facts here and there she's she's fantastic that's awesome and it's so important for people to know that it's not just a one-size-fits-all approach and it's so good to have someone like you really there through the process and I think that you're doing such amazing work by really helping people helping women helping families and men go through uh, these 
tough processes because mm-hmm. as much as it's not you don't want to feel like a science experiment. You kind of feel like one. <laughs> right, right. And that's often what we get. And and uh, a lot of the big clinics, um, if you read their reviews, a lot of them say, oh, it feels like a factory in there. I feel like cattle in there. And, you know, it's a catch-22. Mm-hmm. In order to have a good embryology lab and have these success rates and all the data and the research, you need to have a high volume. At the same time, it's not going to feel very personal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you that's why there's resources like me. There's mm-hmm. other resources that you can find on places like Robin mm-hmm. to kind of support you through it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that you can find a friend um, that's gone through it. There's so many people that are going through it. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's, it's you know, it's, it's important to find the right place for you. And then you just find your support services from there. That's great. Where can people find you? Yeah. So you can find me at uh, fertilitytogether.com. A lot of my services are listed on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty active on Instagram. So you can find me there too. My handle is the same thing, Fertility Together. And you're local. So if people are going through IVF or egg freezing or curious about it, they can definitely contact you. Absolutely. And I'll just, it's the comfort of your own home. So I'm happy to come over if that's Mm -hmm. what makes you feel best. That's awesome. Thank you so much for spilling all the fertility tea. That's actually a real tea. Fertility. (laughs) Fertility. I've drank it before. (laughs) Thanks for coming in. It was so good to see you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. This week's hidden gem is Dolce & Salato, who you might have heard me talk about before. They're located at 1101 Grand Street, so a little bit off the beaten path. It's a local Italian cafe in Pesticeria, and it's newer to the neighborhood, having only opened in 2018. They serve up house-made salads, sandwiches, coffee, and authentic Italian pastries that are absolutely delicious. Their coffee is second to none, I promise you, and definitely try their cappuccino. You will love it. Be sure to check them out. They're again at 1101 Grand Street. We're skipping our getaway segment this week, encouraging instead everyone to stay home and stay safe. But of course, hopefully we will be back with that series soon. This week's heroes are the volunteers on Hoboken and Jersey City's Coronavirus Task Force who are taking all the necessary steps and precautions to prevent the spread of the virus and keeping residents' mind at ease as much as possible. Thank you for doing everything that you do. And our Hudson Zero is Lizeda Camis, the Hoboken resident who vandalized nine vehicles with scratches, flat tires, and dents. You are definitely our zero any day of the week for that behavior. In lieu of a nonprofit this week, I want to just take a moment to talk about the elderly and the coronavirus situation. I did have the chance to reach out to some local officials who were very supportive in the fact that they understand that people want to help the elderly, but we also want to be careful of spreading a virus or being a carrier. So the best advice that I received from the OEM and from some of the council members was to make sure that you are checking on your neighbors, especially if they're elderly elderly, seeing if you can get them anything because you're already in close proximity with them, please make sure to check in on them. We also have some resources on hobokengirl.com where you can figure out where to donate food and help others. So make sure to check out hobokengirl.com. There are so many charities and nonprofits in the area that during this time are going to be struggling. So if you do have the funds 
try to donate as much as possible online, help them in any way that you can, even if it means that you're in your home, but still helping. So we have a ton of resources on Hoboken Girl about all the local charities in the area. Check those out. We'll share as much as we can on the website in the coming days and weeks. And that concludes this episode of Tea on the Hudson. Major thanks to Layla of Fertility Together for coming on the show, our production team, Van Voorst Films, and Mike Soul for our music. We spill the tea on Tuesday mornings, so make sure to subscribe, rate us with five stars if you can, wherever you get your podcasts, and share with friends. That's how we spread the word. You can also get in touch with us by following at Tea on the Hudson on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And of course, email us with any questions or ideas for features at teaonthehudson at gmail.com. We will see you next week for a new episode. 